Welcome to Running It Back, the lessons learned from sports podcast. We're back. It's 2022. Early 2021, we did a show on the Rooney Rule. We're going to run it back to our own show. And then we're going to be running it back to all sorts of things. Because that's the name of the podcast, Tarlin. And it wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't ask you how you're doing today. Tarlin, how are you doing? Oh, thanks, Palmer. I had a lot of stories, a lot of things to share. I think we were three weeks in between shows. Mm. I could talk about my Roto Fantasy team or my fantasy basketball team. We're not going to talk about that. No. We're going to talk about owning your own birthday. Mm. And one, I appreciate you because my birthday was last Friday. Right. For those who know me, I've um, rocking the beard and it will never go away. I feel like I finally won over my parents who for every time I saw them would ask me when I'm shaving the beard and for my birthday, I got beard, shampoo, and oh. ointment. So it's over. I, I've boxed over. I've yeah. yeah. But on your birthday, you should be able to own your day. And I'm not someone that really ever tells anyone it's my birthday. Now, thank you to you for acknowledging my birthday. And we canceled the pod. We were supposed to tape on the, the, the hangover, the post birthday hangover window was, that was our prime recording spot. So once, once I remembered late in the day, which I did remember, cause you were just regular texting me. It was like regular prep, but like slightly less responsive than normal. So then I, I did my, I got the research, our crack research staff on it. And we, we actually discovered that it was in fact your birthday. Did you happen to look at my dormant Facebook page that I never go to the same no, all of happy birthday? I didn't find it on Facebook. I found it. I just kept scrolling back because I thought we texted about it a year ago. And I saw, in fact, I believe we remembered your birthday last year. So we're two, two for two in birthday. I'm going to get Francine to tell me when your birthday is and it's in my contact. As a podcast. Yes. So anyway, so on your birthday. One, I don't tell anyone. My assistant did. So Katie, watch your back. Yeah. Two, you should be able to pick whatever you want that day. Yeah. So I went with the non-traditional cake, non-cake. And I highly recommend it. I went yeah. with the things that I love most mm. as a cake. Like a Snicker. variety variety pack. Of Here we go. Here you go. Snick, snickerdoodles yeah. and molasses cookies from Clementine if you're living out. In LA, Clementine's yeah. Great Bakery. Right. Cinnamon rolls from Dunkin' Donuts. I can't take the Massachusetts and Boston out of me. Palmier. Mm. Some call them elephant ears. It is yeah. truly my favorite cookie. Right. And that's an, that's an homage to me, obviously, Palmier. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Absolutely. I, I didn't pick up on that, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Cupcakes from Sprinkles. Mm. Best cupcakes out here. Yeah. And sidecar donuts is a spot in Santa Monica in Mid Wilshire, unbelievable donuts. So imagine just a I, I just, I just, I just real quick, if you, you know, visit us at running it back.fm, be looking for the running it back carbo package coming your way. It'll be up on our website. We'll be talking about that, uh, down the road. So it, most cakes, some like, I don't like icing. You see people take a small bite. Yeah. Every single person had slices. And mm. cuts of every bit. So everyone had yeah. something to enjoy. And I blew out candles on top of cupcakes. It was the best decision I ever made. Yeah. At 48 years old, for the first time ever, I always loved strawberry shortcake as a January baby. Strawberries aren't in season. Mm. My wife makes an unbelievable lemon icebox cake. But to that 
birthday and from birthdays go forward, they may have a chicken wing cake next year. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to own my cake. Yeah. You do you, it's your day and, uh, and you're, you're, you're looking, you're looking spiffy. You're looking, you're looking ready to lead into this conversation. But, uh, about a year ago when the NFL was down to three black coaches, we did, uh, an episode of running it back, running it back to the Rooney rule and looking at the history of the Rooney rule and the history of hiring practices in the NFL trying to find some lessons learned, trying to understand the state of affairs around that. Obviously, we want to talk to you a little bit about Mike Tomlin, uh, a little bit about Jim Caldwell, and then a lot of conversation about names that are still in the news today, Eric Bieniemy and Byron Leftwich, um, among others. So I thought that conversation was an interesting prelude to what we're going to get into today, but that was last year when... We were a little concerned that we were back to 2003 levels. The Rooney rule was implemented in 2003 when there were three black head coaches. As of January, 2021, there were again, three black head coaches and folks were kind of concerned. Hey, maybe we haven't made any progress. Don't worry. They changed the rules though. So keep going. Then we made progress, right? Made progress. Yeah. And then since then our plus minus is negative two. We're now down to the Highlander, Mike Tomlin. Hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully we don't go below one. And Mike does seem like he's been pushed to his limit many times lately. We did just talk about his press conference around being asked about the USC job. Imagine had he taken the USC job, there would be no black head coaches in the NFL today. A lot of stuff to chew on here. I feel like you, you might get a little, a little riled up. I might, I might be a little crisp, a little crispy on this one. Crispy, uh, crispy on. I don't, I don't know where to start. Yeah, I do and don't. But I was just started just looking at. I'm glad there is a Rooney Rule. That's really for thinking. There is actually one in the NBA, but let's just look at the NFL. NFL changed the rule, and this was we're talking about progress to increase the number of candidates that are interviewed. If you look at this current. Hiring cycle, I think there are nine open positions. And on the average, they're interviewing three plus minority candidates in progress. Mm-hmm. That you at least have to have one of those interviews in person. I give a pass to the COVID yeah. year. I understand it was hard to get a read on people via Zoom. Mm-hmm. And that you're also allowed to now talk to candidates in the final two weeks of the regular season mm-hmm. so that you can start the process a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's not really taking the progress to the final stage. The Buffalo ownership, minority ownership there, wanted to delay head coaching interviews until after the championship game, and so that's no hires until after the Super Bowl. Yeah, and no one picked up that rule, but that would also give some space. Got to call that the Eric the enemy rule, which we'll come back to a little bit later on, because you know he keeps playing the games. And as he continues to play, other folks fill these openings because folks want to start the transition to the new regime as early as possible. So your bad teams and then mediocre to bad coordinators frequently have the opportunity to accept an offer while folks like Eric Bieniemy, Byron Leftwich are still... It sucks that he keeps winning. We should definitely come back to Eric Bieniemy, But made some changes. And also NFL football operations and diversity inclusion... I mean, it's the group that I think that puts that in racism in the end zone for every NFL game, which is really great. It's awesome. They should have a picture of Cap kneeling. They also put out a vetted list of people, general managers, 
and head coaches that should be on the list for all NFL teams. Mm-hmm. Funny, and we'll talk about recent GM hires in the Minnesota Vikings. My team made a minority hire as a GM. Person wasn't even on that vetted list from the yeah. NFL. Yeah. But just at the top, I was just looking at the two leagues, NFL and NBA. NFL, as of today, one head coaches we talked about, that's 3% of all coaches. NBA has 12, 40%. GMs, yeah, NFL, three, 9% of GMs are minority and NBA has six, 20%. So what's the difference? I just want to like, why, why are there totally different practices in both leagues where there is not a Rooney rule mm-hmm. in the NBA, but yet they continue to be well ahead of pace mm-hmm. in the way they engage with a broad swath of candidates. Yeah. I mean, partly it's the... Ownership of the NBA is also more diverse, isn't it? Name some minority owners. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Jordan? Yeah, exactly. Great. There it is. Sal Khan. So we'll one for one. Sal Khan in the NFL and Michael Jordan in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Actually, give Dwayne Wade, who's a minority minority stake in the Utah Jazz. But anyways, I know you didn't prep for the NBA, but I just wanted you to talk. I wanted you to think about that for a moment. So it's highly frustrating when you see someone like Brian Flores. I was kind of pissed when Brian Flores was fired. Yeah. Because starting a year where he's one in seven and then winning seven straight games and barely missing playoffs this year, mm-hmm. going 10 to six last year and barely missing the playoffs, getting saddled with someone that Chris Greer as a GM thinks is the quarterback in Tua. Tua has an arm where I don't think he can make the deep out and is nowhere near the player that a Burrow is or a Josh Allen or name the Chargers QB, Justin Hebert. Yeah. Herbert. Herbert. You go I always think of Bobby Hebert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mad because you're making a decision about a coach where the GM and ultimately the ownership is pulling someone out where... The person who's in the shop every day, leading these men, dealing with the issues and actually getting a team that should have cratered and getting them back to the press of the, of the playoffs. I just, how do you remove someone from that position? Then I was pissed. As you know, I was firing up text about Dave, David Culley. Yeah. David Culley, which was an interesting hire, but a long time assistant coach in the NFL, assistant head coach in the NFL. He has a, the coaching tree and the, and the people that he was connected to. Tower, Reed, Harbaugh, and then worked with Sean McDermott. If you think he's one of the greater, better coaches now and what he's doing in Buffalo. And so he then goes to the Houston Texans where he takes over a team that's been decimated. They've gotten rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Deshaun Watson is looking for someone to give him a massage. He yeah. doesn't have the talent that he's looking for. And they go four and 13. Mm-hmm. And the GM says he literally outplayed like shocked at what they were able to do with the, with the players that they had in front of him. And yet he got fired as well. Mm-hmm. So just on the surface, what do these guys need to do? And right. especially David Coley getting fired after one year, mm-hmm. there's nothing. And I've been in organizations and companies where you're taking, you're in a turnaround situation. There's, it's impossible to change culture and build momentum in a single year. Yeah. Yeah. And then the knock right now levied against the NFL in this respect is that 
black coaches are given a chance to, to head up a turnaround, but then once they get the culture stable enough, get things pointed in the right direction, then another coach is hired to actually lead from there. And frequently it's easier, you know, this is true in organizations as well. Frequently it's easier to come in when some level of stability and some level of churn has been weathered and then things get to a good place. You can actually start building and you build from there. And, and that's one of the, one of the questions is, A, are people getting in beyond just getting into the pipeline? This is where the Rudy rule is soft affirmative action. It's not actual affirmative. It's not saying we need to hit a number. We're saying we need to give more people access to these interviews. And by virtue of that, better things will start to happen. The jury is out now on whether that, that softer practice is actually practice is actually, is actually helping. We were talking about playoffs before we missed, missed our mark. We said it several times, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, are there practices that are better than the Rudy rule that need to begin to be established? And then also like, once they get the job, which is relatively infrequent, are they given enough of an opportunity to succeed? And that's why these numbers are jumping up and down and they've, they've bottomed out recently because the perception out there is that if a black coach screws up, they'll lose their job. More frequently, a white coach will be more secure in their job due to all sorts of reasons. Although I will say this year, there's plenty of openings. Like a lot of white coaches lost their jobs too. Being a, being a head coach in the NFL is a job that you can lose at totally any agree. moment. Totally agree. Totally But the, the reality is that there, you know, the Jim Caldwell example, uh, and then Dennis Green was the other example that I saw from the, the history of black coaches where neither of them had particularly good playoffs, playoffs, playoffs records. They talking they, about playoffs. If, if Jim Caldwell could remind his team to be ready for an onside kick after, after halftime, he might still be coaching to this day. That, that was the uh, Sean Payton's Sean Payton had really hasn't had to do much more coaching after that Just call, after that, yeah, after that call. But, uh, but any thoughts on, yeah, you mentioned a couple of things. Yeah. I actually look back at, and it goes back 30 years, coaches have been fired after one year. Yeah. 17 coaches fire after one year, two of them resigned. So I don't count that. So the 15 coaches left, five of the 15 were black coaches. Yeah. Steve Wilkes after a single year, because he needed to get Cliff Kingsbury because he's so good in college. Dave Culley, we already talked about Hugh Jackson went eight and eight for the Raiders. Um, we had Art Shell on the second stint with the Raiders. The, the first, the first uh, black coach in modern football, modern football and Ray Rhodes was eight and eight and then got somebody dismissed. So then I was like, well, that's okay. That 33%, that's not a really good stat. So I was like, okay, what is it about? What, what do all coaches that are in their jobs today? They're having some modicum success. Have they won from the very beginning? And so we have two coaches that are in the championship games in Kyle Shanahan and Zach Taylor. So I wonder, okay, Kyle, who coming off a tough Super Bowl loss as the OC when they were up 28-3 and then he sat on the ball. Mm. When I heard that if they had just kneeled in the Atlanta Falcons had kneeled the whole second half, they would have won the game. Yeah. He then gets brought over to the San Francisco 49ers in his first two years, they're six and 10 and four and 12. Zach Taylor, who is one over all of Ohio, 
Sorry, Cleveland Browns. It's now the Bang- Bengals are back. He started 2-14, and 4-11, and 1. The GOAT, who everyone scrambled to get and had a weird Jets, I'm your coach, not your coach. Uh, we're just going to the next team. And it's the worst interview ever. 6-10, and 7-9, 7-9, 11-5, 5-11. Was that, was that Bill Belichick? That may be Bill Belichick. Okay, okay. So what is it about? Is it about the ownership? Is it the GM that, that has patience to allow, as we talk about, if you're going in to a new organization, the likelihood, a new team, is it's a turnaround. Mm-hmm. So what don't you get that things just don't flip immediately? Mm-hmm. I blame the Sean McVay factor. Because mm. Sean McBay came in and is going 11 and 5, 13, 3, 9 and 7, 10 and 6, and 12 and 5. So everyone thinks they have the team, the assets, and you should be a wonderkin. Ken, kid, Ken, kid, Ken. Ken. I'm thinking of Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Me too. You remember that episode? Sure. <laughs> um, they think that they're going to have the next Sean McBay. But no one is willing to, and all these majority owners have built businesses and know how hard it is to think about their organization like it's a business and that you're building a cultural imprint and that you need to take time to build the foundation it takes to actually have a winning organization. Mm -hmm. And if you have consistent turnover at the top, that is not how you build a consistent winning organization. Yeah. You got to go to to Tony Dungy in this conversation a little bit in his coaching stint with the Bucks, started six and ten, ten and six, eight and eight. Never fully realized it's the same idea there where like the Bucks didn't win a Super Bowl under Dungy, but they were set up to do so. And then when John Gruden came in, they won. And then with the Colts, it's 10 and 6, 12 and 4, 12 and 4, 14 and 2, 12 and 4, 13 and 3, 12 and 4. So I'd say it's a combination of Sean McVay in terms of the Wunderkind. Wunderkind. There you go. I, I tried to deliver. Wunderkind? With some, with some feeling. So that's showing in the latter day you can come in and just catch fire and stay hot. But that, that legacy of Tony Dungy where, you know, his coaching tree is something we talked about a lot last time we had this discussion where without those systems in place to continue to cultivate and develop talent and get people shots, you know, Jim Caldwell got his shot because he replaced Tony Dungy when he retired. That's an incredible string of success and consistency. So if you can perform, if you can basically be as close to perfect as Tony Dungy or Mike Tomlin will allow you into the club. But no one else is going to have patience. Is it the club or the club? <laughs> the club. Yeah, exactly. But in this day and age, why I understand your anger, I'm frustrated as well, is I just don't understand how it's going to change. And, and that relates a little bit to how do you lead a turnaround of a structure that has some systemic problems? And then I think if it's, you know, if it's toxic at the top, as much as there's, you know, there's some lip service that'll be done so that these organizations can stay in business because it is a business in 2022. Rooney Rule was a, was an attempt, and I think it was a good faith effort to try to address this problem. I don't know if it's actually working. My buddy, 
Yeah. Shout out to Dolds. Talked about this. And there are no, no bad ideas, but maybe there are no good ideas. He said, teams care about, what do they care about the most? He said, draft picks. Mm. So do you provide incentives? If you make a minority hire, you get a second round pick. Mm -hmm. Thoughts. You've seen a little bit of this around penalty draft picks, you know, the stick to the carrot in the analogy here, but you're describing this more as like a, a carrot. Uh, and also if they're not necessarily first round picks, but there's something that helps you develop a team. It's an asset. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, the challenge there is, is always the challenge with any of these things. When you're talking about inequities to get things corrected, it means people who have power, access, privilege need to be willing to give some of it up. And I'm not convinced despite the end racism zones that people are scoring touchdowns in, I'm not convinced that the NFL beyond its marketing efforts and beyond its desire to continue to sell its amazing television product. It is a television product. And it's also, you know, great gear. I went to the Giants game last year. I got some nice receiver gloves that, that keep you warm in November, December here in New York. And even in the case of the Giants, they just hired Brian DeBall. Is it DeBall? DeBall? Dabble? Dabble. Dabble. Brian DeBall as Joe Judge's replacement. Joe Judge out of the Belichick tree, just like Matt Patricia, there's a lot of mediocre white guys out of the Belichick tribe who have gotten jobs and frequently got those jobs and then lost them quickly based on the, the their one loss records. You know, the Giants were four and 13 this year. Th thanks to the 17 game schedule, by the way. So we get an, get an extra one in there, but you know, the ball, maybe he'll turn it around. But oh, hold on. It was a stat that, that the Kansas city scored more points in the last two and a half minutes than the Giants scored in all of December, something like that. I, I would imagine, but the Giants have made a move to hire the offensive coordinator from the Bills this just in to replace Joe Judge, who arguably shouldn't have had the shot to begin with, thankfully was held accountable after one terrible season. One season, right? Yeah, two. Judges, a judge had more than one season. He had two seasons. It all blurs the Kansas Giants fan. He responded to that mediocre six and ten. With some clarifying numbers. I'll show you I can I show I can lose more. Four and thirteen. You thought that was good. I can lose more. But I'm trying to think about other spaces. So we know that the Supreme Court has picked up the Harvard and UNC lawsuits around affirmative action and admissions into college. Yeah. That's gonna be a game changer. It's done and done. Mm -hmm. Then I'm looking at post Floyd. A lot of energy and I shout out to Guy Primus, buddy from business school, who part of a collective starting the Blackboard Challenge, 75 plus tech and other businesses committing to bringing black and minority representation on black representation, in particular onto boards. That's the pledge. Mm -hmm. And they're making a move. Why? They know it's good for business. Data shows you have diverse perspectives in your teams and your boardroom. It's a better returns for the business and creates more shareholder value. That's a single individual across a board that could sit of 11, 13, 17 people. 
there's an interesting article about what happens in an NFL interview is it's not about X and O's, it's about the CEO. Mm. And can you win that interview? And uh, the interviews are, first one could be three to five to eight hours, dinner, you could be in crazy hotels. I heard Bienemy was in like the worst hotel in a cramped room having his interview. They get emailed 10 questions ahead of time, so you can be prepped, but then they're asking you what are the roles of assistants, how you think about personnel, free agency, you know, what happens if someone skips volunteer workout, what do you do with discipline? But at the end of the day, articles like they're looking for the it factor. Yeah. And that's code, like who win, how do you then win that? Right. Because the it factor, in the same way they say there's a lack of a diverse pool, which is the reason why many candidates are hired, then you have to win the it factor. So you're telling me Bill Belichick, which means you have to own a room, but Bill Belichick walked in the rooms and like, that guy's got the it factor. Right. So the, the it factor I call, that's a little BS. Yeah. So it's just, how do you, how do you game the system? And at right. the end of the day, it's, it's gaming the system. So you talked about the most recent hires, double congratulations. Now, granted, it's a highly networked world. Yeah. Steve Kerr got a job for Golden State. Remember Mark Jackson going back to NBA, yeah. but turn around, Bill culture, Steve Kerr, great coach, but he was golfing buddies. With the owners, and that's yeah. how we can get the job. Mama, there goes that man. Mama, there goes that man. Hands down, man down. <laughs> um, the new GM for the Giants came from Buffalo Bills. Yeah. He knows Dobble. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He got hired. Dobble, mm -hmm. as the OC, just looking at the last three-year stats, and I'm just looking at offensive ranking because that's what he gets measured on. 2019, 24th in offense, then second and fifth. Okay. Not bad. Then I look at Nathaniel Hackett. And let's go back to Eric Bianui for a second. Nathaniel Hackett of the Broncos. So he's been the OC in Green Bay. Then he has by far probably will go down as one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. Although he's a little special. So I was 19, 18th in offensive rating, 2025th. And with Aaron Rodgers, 2021, 10th. So say so that that should be the measure. And maybe Nathaniel Hackett, son of Paul Hackett, just has the it factor. Yeah. Eric Bieniemy taking someone who had only played one game in NFL and granted, Patrick Mahomes, they say is all world talent. 2019, 6, 2021, 3rd. Those are pretty good stats. Yeah. So why, if you're going to hire offensive talent, would you not look at something like Eric Bannemi? Let's just go to Byron Lethwich. Yeah. I, I want to make sure I lose the thread. Because we know Byron Lethwich had the GOAT show up, Tom Brady. And so it must be an easy job. Mm. Who did he have before the GOAT? Do you remember? Yeah, he had uh, Jameis Winston. Yeah, yeah, Jameis. Jameis. Who... Broke the record because he not only was able to throw 30 touchdowns, but 30 interceptions. Yeah. In 2019, with Byron the OC, they had the third best offense in the league. Then with Tom, they went to seventh and then right. back to second. Right. So I'm just taking two guys, Bianami mm -hmm. and Leftwich. And if you're looking for an offensive coordinator, congratulations, Dobble. I get that. I get that hire. That hire that makes, I'm a Giants fan. I'm hoping it's a network hire. 
think yeah. you look at Daniel Jones like, why can't he be uh, Josh Allen? Although when Josh Allen runs, it does not look like he's running and about to fall forward. Yeah. D- Daniel Jones calling out your 70-yard almost touchdown. You got sniper. So I get that. But then, you know, Hackett? Right. Hackett is going into a team that has no quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right. And before um, Mahomes got there, BNU was still running a top offense. Mm-hmm. So just help me out. Help me explain it. I can't explain it. I'm, I'm trying to, I, what I'm hoping for is that Jacksonville hires Leftwich, which would require awareness that Trevor Lawrence, as the number one draft pick this previous draft, may benefit from the mentoring and leadership that Leftwich has shown throughout his career. He's also in a non storied franchise's non storied history. He's pretty close to the greatest. Him and Mark Brunel. Those are, the, those are the two legends in Jacksonville quarterbacking. It does seem like a relatively straightforward decision. Obviously, there's lots of candidates out there. You know, we're seeing a lot of backlash against the awakening that happened after the murder of George Floyd across the country, where whether it's, you know, attacks on critical race theory. I think probably a little bit of resentment in some close quarters among ownership in the NFL around being required to interview black candidates. And that may result in a little bit of a a rebound effect where they actually wind up hiring fewer and or the ones that they hire, they felt like they were doing it to check a box as opposed to actually to turn their culture around. They will not, you will check a box in a boardroom. If there's 17 seats, you will not check a box for the hire of your billion dollar organization. No owner will check a box. Well, I mean, there have been hires in the past that haven't lasted. And my point is why they haven't lasted. Even if you look at some of them are more, you know, paid their dues, succession planning, for whatever reason, you lose the head coach, you give the job to the number two. How long a shelf life does that number two get when they inherit a job, the David Culley thing? Yeah, it's actually interesting. And, and you think about, that goes back to the NBA, the number of mid-season firings, interim tags. Mm-hmm. We had Nate McMillan take the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. We had Steven Silas that's been on the bench, a J.B. Bickerstaff. And they hire from within instead of bringing someone totally outside. So that's actually interesting, the number of coaches. And I didn't do that deep research. Well, and the NBA side is interesting too, because it does seem like, they have about 15 coaches per team. I mean, you're like, Correct. you're three rows deep. With, yeah. uh, with, with I, I check out your left hand on dribble coach. And exactly. And I'm your follow through. The one thing I do want to say, because I, it's the last coaching hire. I just want to check out this guy. And I know nothing about, and I can't pronounce, Matt Everfluss. Fluss. Fluss. He's the new coach of the Bears. Mm-hmm. Defensive side of the ball. And yeah. you want to definitely build up Justin Fields. Indianapolis defense coordinator, 2019, 16th ranked D, 2028 and 2021, 16th. There are a couple defense coordinators out there where candidates, Todd Bowles is Tampa Bay. They won a championship. His team's 15th in 2019, 6th in 2020, 13th, 2021. Seems pretty comparable. Yeah. Leslie Fraser is, uh, he's up in Buffalo Bills. Probably one of the worst losses 
I mean, the only thing that the Buffalo Bills did wrong was losing the coin flip in overtime in one of yeah. the best games I've ever seen in my life. But Although it's tough to credit Leslie's defense. No, but hold on. You can't stop. So I'm just letting you know. Let, let's just talk about what, what the stats. And, and, and also let's clarify that he is an ex- Viking, so you you may be slightly biased. I'm just giving information in the same way I'm calling out the Jets, former Jets coach who was 10 and 6, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 4 and 12. I'm going to call Leslie Frazier, who was 3 and 13, 10 and 6, 5, 10 and 1. It's yeah. just information. Yeah. We, this is our responsibility for buying information. Some of it may not actually be wrong because I can't read my own writing, but it's it's words. Yeah. 2019 third, 2020. 14, 2021, first. Right. Matt Eberflus? Yeah. Why? Right. Did those guys really get a shot? Did he have the it factor? And what they said is he's, this guy's been rolling around the interview circuit for a while. Right. So I don't get it. Yeah. And I'm not in the room. I understand. Listen, it's right seat on the bus. Ryan Pace is a new GM coming from KC. He wants to build the right culture. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. But... I, I, I just wish people who, at the end of the day, it's quant and qual, but there's a scoreboard and the scoreboard shows what the performance is, how they lead their side of the ball. And I just want to make sure if you're going to use that as a key determinant for hiring, that you really take that into account. We're not looking for, it's not charity. It's the top folks in the NFL that consistently are sitting in number two slot when they're beating their rivals. Yeah. On the coaching horizon, by the time we record this next year, because it sounds like every January we will be recording a Rudy <laughs> rule in the NFL conversation. Also, shout out. Did I give my shout out to CC Du Bois? Yeah, I've not. Sadly passed. Yeah. So the last time we talked about the work of CC Du Bois, who did some interesting reports. She presented at the Sloan Conference in, at MIT in 2017. We referred to her research, which was really good. It did cover the Rudy rule and trends around it. And we were even hoping to get her back on the show. And then sadly, she passed away in, in 2018 due to brain cancer. So Sad note there, but it is an indication that we need more people doing research, more people paying attention to these types of trends. And then I think more proposals, whether it is draft pick incentives, whether it is new ideas that are introduced into the culture. But then at the same time, I'm not sure how this culture ultimately changes. At the end of the day, the NFL is still rolling in cash. The ratings on, the, on this past, the divisional weekend in the NFL were through the roof. The games were amazing. The product they're actually putting on the field is really compelling. The money will continue to flow. The accountability is really only there if it's in the, the, the pocketbook. If there's a way in which people start not watching the NFL, boycotts, those types of things. And I'm just not sure if the appetite's there. I think, I think people, especially in this day and age, are just looking for relief, looking for releases. And for me, at least, I keep watching the NFL, even though you know, there's some troubling elements to it. You know, I feel like they do enough PR that you feel okay about watching it, but it is, it is almost like a, a bit of a dirty secret. Like we watch it, but we know that there's some corruption under the hood. I just don't see, since it is powered by money and it is really run by super elite 1%, you know, off the charts ownership class. 
I'm not sure it's going to turn around. You know, the NBA's done a much better job because I think their commissioners have been better, beginning with Stern and then following up with Adam Silver, has understand the economics of getting buy-in from its players and actually marketing and building the league around their players. You know, they were gifted with, you know, Michael and, and Kobe and, and now LeBron to help build this, this brand that they have there. You know, I'm not a big fan of Roger Goodell. I'm not convinced him and his culture are going to turn it around. I think there's probably more bad eggs in the, the NFL ownership culture. I'm looking at you, Dan Snyder, among others. I still think the NFL in some ways is still rotten at the top. And I'm not sure how you affect change when something is systemic and perhaps toxic from its highest ranks. I agree. I thought where you were going to go is we're going to call our shot, right? So I was going there and I forgot we, where I was going. We, we're going to, I, I got you. It's unusual to run it back to your own material, but we needed to. We want to run it back in sports moments in history. So we're at one today. I think we don't get past three. And this time next year, Tomlin will be with the new quarterback since Roethlisberger retired. Yeah. But he has a obviously unbelievable standing within the Steelers community. Yeah. You hire maybe one to two and they get a, get the chance to hold on their job. But I think we'll be at three for a while. I am proud and excited of the hire in Minnesota. As I said at the top, the NFL football operations had a vetted list, minority coaches and general managers that teams should look at. And Minnesota did not hire off that list. It went off menu. So they hired, and I have not heard his name pronounced out loud. His name, <clears throat> Quese Odolfo Minta. So happy to see that hire because as I said, beginning, Frustrated by the Brian Flores firing, given Chris Greer is not in the battle, leading men, going on a seven-game run with Tua. So I hope that we bring more representation, not only to that seat, but my. I hope we get past three, yeah. but I, I'm not optimistic. Yeah. And your point is right. Look at the boards. Look at the GMs. Even if we can't necessarily move the owners themselves, unless they do something atrocious like Donald Sterling, Dan Snyder is still holding on to his ownership stake. So the culture's not changing at the ownership level. But if enough pressure is applied, maybe it can start to influence the leadership of these organizations, the folks who make the decisions about general managers, the general managers who make decisions about coaches. And then the coaches make decisions about players on the field, which is the other element of this. You know, we have talked about black quarterbacks in the NFL and how frequently they have a harder road to hoe to get that opportunity. I keep coming back to Byron. If Byron Leftwich and Eric Bianami, if neither of them have a head coaching job by the start of the next NFL season, right now. We have to figure out some something is something more is happening here. I mean, we we understand things are systemic. We understand racism is a problem, but I just feel like the optics of that is so bad that at some point the NFL is going to have to become more aggressive in its moves because it just it just feels like 
unless there's something we don't know about each of those candidates, which is pretty unlikely, and the fact that they both genuinely want these jobs, Leftwich is a perfect fit for Jacksonville. And also, like Jacksonville, if all Leftwich is doing is developing Trevor Lawrence while they continue to tank, I think he could be great at that too. Give him a chance to succeed within the context of the culture you're hiring him into. Final thoughts, Charlotte, as we bring it home, this is it. This is it with our listeners. Keep listening. We're going to be running it back, talking about other amazing shows. We're going to be live in Austin, South by Southwest, EDU, March 7th. If you're down in Austin, come check us out. We'll be on the podcast stage down there. Final thoughts, Charlotte, as we conclude our conversation today. Yeah, so we say this. I look forward to watching what Eric Bieniemy and the Chiefs are able to spin and put together in this AFC Championship Series. You know, as you said, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure knowing how it's a little rotten at the core, but it is a release. It truly is television entertainment. So I may not be on social talk ticks, snap, snap faces. This is my release. And so I will be buckled up on Sunday to see you can make it to the Super Bowl. More to come, but always good to see you. And I look forward to February and the fun of, of Black History Month. All right. Thanks again, Tarlin. Thanks for our listeners. Find us at runningitback.fm. We're at runningitback.fm on Twitter. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back again soon. This is Running It Back. What?